Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Well, hello, Canada. Today's date is March 16, 2020. It's Tony here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. And it is the first day of the apocalypse. <laughs> That's probably a very appropriate way to put it. Um, so it's going to be an apocalyptic kind of show tonight, I think. But I do want to start off with uh, a little bit of levity and before we will probably spend most of our show talking about COVID-19 and the, the impending doom that's about to uh, encompass our society. But there's, uh, as most of our listeners know, that there's job action on the teacher front and at least Ontario and Saskatchewan. I'm not certain if there's any other unrest with teachers, but what I, we talked about this last week, actually, and actually, Lewis, you had brought up that the Ford government really played the teachers very well in this teacher strike because, of course, when they go on strike, they always say it's about the children. It's about the children. So you had pointed out the Ford government had actually acquiesced and said, OK, you know, the, we'll, we'll give you what you want on class sizes. We'll give you what you want on composition and whatnot. So then the only issue left on the table was salaries. And the teachers kept fighting. So suddenly it's like, uh, I thought you said this was about the children. <laughs> yeah. And so here in Saskatchewan, there was a job action as well. And not a full-on strike yet, but the background is there was there was talk about a spring election here in Saskatchewan. And we're supposed to go to the polls October 26th. But Premier Moe had hinted that after the budget, which would be delivered this Thursday, that there could be a possibly a spring election. So Saskatchewan teachers decided it was time to begin job action, which is what they do every election cycle, which I had mentioned in a rant on the weekend. And so they decided to do the job action, and then they decided that they would withdraw any extracurricular activities, like coaching or any volunteering. And yeah. so that was going to put a, a big basketball tournament that happens here every year in Saskatoon in jeopardy. Okay. And so now that enter COVID-19, and suddenly the health, the chief medical officer says, oh, no, we can no longer have gatherings of 250 people or more. So we're going to have to cancel that basketball tournament. <laughs> yeah. So now teachers lose that hammer. And then today, the uh, Saskatchewan government announced that schools are going to be closing effective on Friday for yeah. an indefinite period. So now the teachers have no hammer when it comes to well, we're just going to work to rule and only show up 15 minutes before school and leave 15 minutes after because, well, school's closed, so uh, now you're not working at all. So I just want to say, Saskatchewan teachers, now what have you got? <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I was going to say when you started into this because, I mean, I didn't know anything about the Saskatchewan teacher action. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't listen to your rant on the weekend, honestly, because I've been preoccupied with my business and that. And, um, so yeah, I was, while you were talking about this, I was thinking, well, they don't have any leverage at all anymore. No, they don't. And yeah. So, so no, I, this I is, think... yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little tough to, uh, uh, to have 
you know, a strike or anything when school is, is, is school has been canceled. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and the, and the Ontario teachers, uh, they've been, they've been, you know, exposed. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's hilarious. And, uh, I mean, not that I don't think teachers deserve to, you know, be fairly compensated for what they do. And I believe that they are. Oh, but I, I just I think that uh, and, and not to mention you yourself are a ed, like you are educated in education. So it's correct, not like yes. you have anything against teachers. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. So I, uh, I think it's, it's just kind of funny that they, everything they've wanted to use as a, as a bargaining chip yeah. has now been taken away. So uh, yeah. now no, it's like, and, well, and, <laughs> and I want to make it clear as well that like, I come from, like I, I'm the son of a teacher. I mean, my 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 dad has been a teacher for uh, 44 years, and he uh, and he's finally retiring at the end of this school year, which may be sooner than later. And um, and like he's like I said, he's been teaching for 44 years, and the last eight have been on an Indian reserve. So uh, I have. I have a great deal of respect for teachers. Uh, and, and, but let's, I, I, I want to make one thing clear is though, is that teachers, I, I don't want to group all teachers together because not all teachers are good. I don't respect all teachers. I respect the good ones. And, and the, the majority of them are good. And, and a small percentage are incredible. And then there's, some that are terrible and the unions do everything they can to protect them. And, uh, it, cause the unions, the unions are there to protect mediocrity and they do a very good job of that because uh, my kids have had a few of those teachers and I right. had a few of those teachers and I'm sure you had some of those teachers too. Oh yeah. And, uh, so, but I would do want to make it clear. Like I, I really do support teachers and I think they get paid very well as it is. If you're a, if you are a 10 year teacher, like if you've been teaching for a decade, you are in the top 10% of income earners in the country and nice. you, and you work for nine months a year. So, you know, I have, I, I, I think teachers are fairly compensated as it is. I don't think, you know, that any teachers in this country are underpaid. And, uh, and, uh, you know, everybody's job is hard and lots of people's jobs are really hard and teachers jobs are one of those jobs that are really hard. And my, like my own father, when the school year was over, like, I'm not kidding. He needed that break. Like, like it took him all summer to, you know, recover and, and, and get you know, motivated to go back the next year because it's, it can be a very demotivating job because, uh, you know, students and the parents that don't understand that teachers have their kids' best interests at heart. It's the kid can do wrong, you know, and all this. So, yeah, you know, it's, it is a very tough job and, and I, res- and I have a lot of respect for the good teachers out there. And, but, but let's be real. Teachers make, you know, really good money. Oh, well, no question they do. Yeah. And so, you know, when they talk about, 
you know, wanting classroom resources or wanting, you know, class sizes and whatnot, I, I have, I do have sympathy for them. And although when they talk about composition, that's when I want to say, you know, that's something you should be taking up with your school board, not necessarily the government. I mean, the government, in my opinion, is the employer, not, I don't think they make those decisions as far as class composition is concerned. I think the government is more or less just for funding. Yeah, well, yes and no. I mean, the school board is the government. Oh, so I suppose, but... it's, it's, um, it's a composition is a very important part of it. I mean, if you have eight learning, you know, kids with learning disabilities in your class and no TA, uh, that's devastating to the rest of the class. So, I mean, and the whole reason that TAs are gone, right? With teacher's assistants, the whole reason why there aren't very many TAs anymore is because teachers kept pushing for those big, you know, six, eight, 10% raises that they were getting back in the, uh, you know, 90s and the, and the early 2000s. Because it, it, when those teachers, when the teachers were getting those huge raises, um, the TAs started getting laid off. They started losing their jobs. And then you ended up with back in the, I believe it was the late 2000s or the mid 2000s, you just well couldn't find a TA in the school system. Right. And so they're starting to come back because the, you know, they're, they're, Ha- they, 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 you know, they, in all their wisdom, found out that TAs are necessary uh, to help out with kids with learning disabilities and and all that because a, t- a class can only advance as the fast as quickly as the slowest student. And, That's true. And so when you've got six, seven, or eight kids in your classroom who have you know dyslexia or they have uh, some kind of a learning disability or they've got alcohol fetal syndrome or, uh, you know, ADD and, or any of these things, it can really devastate a whole classroom. And so I think that, you know, if teachers really, really want to have, um, uh, you know, uh, control over class size and composition, they need to relinquish a bit on their, uh, uh, on their salary demands so that the teachers, so the school boards can hire more TAs. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Not that I see that happening, but I will say that at least that's fair. So No, and I think the Ford government has proven that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that'll you'll I mean, you'll see it play out here as well. I mean, I I've uh, my son's girlfriend is actually a daughter of of teachers. So when her and I have talked about this, I said, you know, I will give them full credit that it is tactically brilliant to to uh take job action when there's an election on, because then of course they get noticed and they can embarrass the government much more easily. I don't, yeah. I think it's underhanded, but I say tactically, it's actually very smart move. So I give them credit for it. But if it was truly all about the kids, I mean, like you say, they would be quite willing to give a little in order to get a little. Yeah. And you know, it's, uh, it, it is, very smart tactically to have that job action, you know, during an election campaign or before the election campaign, um, because there's two unions in every province. There's two unions that 
get nothing but support from the public. One is the teachers and the other is the nurses. Right. So if you want what you want, or if you want to get what you're, what you're asking for, take that job action during a, during an election that, that you'll get it. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. So, yeah. All right. So I want to move on past that. And yes. I want to talk about our good friend, coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so today was a, tra- a tragic day. Actually, we've had uh, three more, uh, more tal- more deaths from the coronavirus, all in the same yeah. uh, nursing home in North Vancouver. Unfortunately, that's right. So now that leaves uh, four total, all from that nursing home deaths in Canada. We've actually got our seventh presumptive case here in Saskatchewan uh, reported today. And mm-hmm. this is what bugs me with the media. They 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 don't tell us, you know. They just tell us it's presumptive cases, but they don't tell us when, if those presumptive cases, you know, become confirmed. It's just, we have this many presumptive or confirmed cases. Like, well, in the case of these seven here, they're all at home. So, and and they've all got contracted it through travel. So there's no community transmission at this point yet, but, um, when I quoted Rahm Emanuel in my rant on the weekend when he said, don't let a good crisis go to waste. And, yeah. and that's what the government's doing. And, and I, the reason I'm going on down this path is I'm getting a little heated up here because I, uh, you probably get these emails as well, but I get emails from the conservative party of Canada leadership candidates and mm-hmm. Aaron O'Toole, his campaign dropped one of my, uh, my inbox today, the subject heading, war footing and i'm actually just going to read the whole email out for our audience and then i'll get your reaction to it and uh see if it sparks the same reaction in you because this is the first time i'm ever hearing this uh or or seeing this email because i'm not a member of the canadian conservative party so okay so i i have never seen this email so please yeah read ahead read Read out loud, please. Oh, all right. <laughs> so it starts off. It's time to put Canada on a war footing. Today, our government should, one, invoke the Emergencies Act, giving the government the power to prohibit travel, enforce self-isolation, and control assemblies. Two, make use of the capabilities of the Canadian Armed Forces. Having spent 12 years in the military, I know the talents, resourcefulness, and dedication of our men and women in uniform. It's time for the Prime Minister to work with the Chief of Defence Staff to get the military ready to assist the health sector and help in any other ways they can in the days and weeks ahead. And it says, number three, mobilize Canadian industry. We know that we are facing shortages of protective equipment for health professionals today, and we need to be ready for the shortages of ventilators in the weeks ahead. Now is the time for the Prime Minister to ask Canadian companies to rapidly ramp up production. The Canadian people have risen to face adversity before. We have the people and the resources to meet this challenge. For, from our men and women in uniform to our scientists and researchers to our entrepreneurs and world-leading innovators, now is the time to put our government and economy on a war footing with leadership from the top. Aaron O'Toole. Well, Mr. O'Toole, <laughs> what say, Lewis? Oh, um, okay, Mr. O'Toole. Uh, excuse this terminology, but you're a tool. Um, okay the emergencies act of canada does not allow for control over uh 
individuals being quarantined and stuff like that. Like uh, to, to ensure that people don't leave their homes. That's against the law. That is not in the Emergencies Act of Canada. The Emergencies Act of Canada must abide by the rights, by the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So you can't do that. Um, yeah, this is interesting. Like, I, I'm a little, uh, I'm surprised by this, to be honest, because what the Emergencies Act of Canada does allow is for the Prime Minister and his cabinet to have um, basically unfettered control uh, like the House of Commons gets um, pushed aside while the Emergencies Act is being invoked. Um, oh. And so I'm, I'm very surprised that Mr. O'Toole would even suggest this, considering that the person, that the, 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 the party that's in power right now, he has constantly criticized their bad decisions. And, and, he and would, rightfully so. And he and rightfully so. And he would suggest that they take that they have like unopposed control um, is very, very shocking to me. Yeah. And you know what bugs me even more is you're right. He has criticized his government rightfully so. And he wants to put dictatorial power into the hands of the man who says he admires China's basic dictatorship. Like this, this is well, not it, the Aaron O'Toole that I've, I've watched in parliament. That's for sure. Yeah. Like I, I, I heard someone else say today and I, I can't remember. It might've been you who, who said to me that, that he suggested bringing in the war measures act. The war measures act actually was repealed in 88 and replaced with the emergencies act. So, um, and the war measures act was, was, that was probably one of the worst uh, pieces of legislation this country's ever had because it actually stripped Canadians of their civil liberties um, and gave the government the right to uh, uh, detain and intern um, anybody that it deemed an enemy of the state. And that included Canadian citizens that were of a racial uh, background, such as Chinese or Japanese um, or German um, back in World War One, And so that was repealed in 88 and replaced with the Emergencies Act. But the Emergencies Act, by law, must be, must abide by the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So... What he's suggesting is actually against the law, even by the Emergencies Act, um, uh, its own, its own, um, just by, you know, by the, by the way that it must be implemented is it's against the law to, to say that Canadians can't leave their homes by law. Like that's, that's just not right. It's not even possible in Canada. Yeah, and uh, so you made me think of something else while you were talking about the War Measures Act. The last person to invoke the War Measures Act was also named Trudeau in 1970. Yeah, so, he, he utilized yeah, it. Yeah, with Quebec. Yeah. Um, because of the... Uh, the FLQ. Oh, 
yeah, the FLQ and their bombings, right? Like they were yeah. bombing places in, in Quebec. And so Pierre Trudeau uh, invoked the War Measures Act and uh, basically declared martial law in the, in the province of Quebec. And, um, and it was after that, that they, like it was in 88 actually that they, that they replaced the War Measures Act. So um, yeah, no, it was a Trudeau that did it last time. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not surprised because no. <laughs> he he had very little respect for Canadians. So, um, and this and this Trudeau has absolutely zero respect for Canadians. So, if that if that act was still available, I wouldn't put it past him to use it and at that point attempt to disarm the Canadian public either. No, that well, I see, and that part is actually what scares me. Is uh, I believe he would would do just that. He would take that his, you know, newfound dictatorial powers and yeah, disarm Canadians, you know, in the name of public safety, of course. Yeah. But, but again, here's, this is the good part is that the war measures act is gone. So he wouldn't be able to do that um, yeah. because the emergencies act doesn't allow for that because it does have to abide by the charter of rights and freedoms. Well, I'm happy for that. That's uh, yeah. that is a good thing, so but I, yeah, I just couldn't figure out like when I read this, because I'm going through the last Conservative Party of Canada leadership race, and Aaron O'Toole was a candidate in that one as well. And none of the, what he says now in this campaign is even remotely resembling the Aaron O'Toole who ran just three years ago. So I just got to say, like, either he's taking some advice from really, really stupid people, or this is actually his true colors, and he really is, like you say, a tool. No, I, I don't think that this is his true colors. I think what this is, is him saying what he thinks the public wants to hear, that that the government will shut Canada down in order to stop this pandemic. Uh, and I think, so I, I really do believe that he's just getting bad advice. And um, because I don't think this is like, there is a segment of Canada's population that really does want to hear that, but I don't think that people who understand, uh, why that's a bad thing would think it's a bad thing. Like there's, there's a big, a big segment of the population, like, and, and to be quite honest, they're mostly conservative or libertarian. And believe they know that what he's suggesting is not a good thing, um, but I mean, but then again, at what point do you suggest that? Well, in my opinion, there is no point where you suggest that. I guess unless it's just absolute anarchy. But being Canadians, well, we're not we're not anarchists. So no, but I mean, what if? But here, here, I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second. What if we find that this starts spreading uh, even more so and starts killing tens of thousands of Canadians? Do you invoke it then? Hmm. Well, the libertarian in me who likes to pop out a lot more frequently lately would say, no, we don't because personal responsibility has to, to factor in somewhere. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm, I'm afraid of a police state, and that's uh, I, like I, I trust the government very little as it is even now, and yeah. 
I would have a very hard time trusting the government to uh, put an end date on the emergency act, emergencies act once invoked. Mm-hmm. But if tens of thousands of Canadians are dying because Canadians aren't taking personal responsibility. Yeah. Well, in that case, you're right. Cause then you sort of have to force that responsibility upon them and being Canadians, that wouldn't surprise me if it actually had to come to that. So. Yeah. But, and, and what I'm getting at is if you wait until tens of thousands of Canadians are dying, what, you know, do you get blamed for not doing it sooner? Like that's, and this is what I'm saying. Like, I think, I think politicians right now, and this is where I really do not envy uh, the position that um, Justin Trudeau is in right now. And believe me, I do. I really, I, I feel for the guy right now. I don't like him. I, I detest him. I think he's the worst prime minister this country's ever seen. But I actually feel sorry for the guy right now because what do you do? I mean, this is, this is a lose-lose situation. No matter what he does, it's going to be the wrong thing. And I see it online. I see, like, you know, um, Canada Proud or the post-millennial are posting articles about it saying, too little, too late. Well, you know what? A week ago, if he had, if he had done what he did today a week ago, you would have been saying he's overreacting, you know, and he's trying to, uh, you know, he's overstepping his bounds and all this. Like, the, the guy's in a lose-lose situation. He is, and it's actually funny you'd say that because a week ago I would have said he's going way too far, he's taking this way too seriously, but yet when he gave his news conference today, and by the way, he was 43 minutes late for his news conference, which was right outside his front door. Um, so <laughs> the way to respect the Canadian media and you know Canadians who are waiting to for their, their leader, quote-unquote, to, to give us a few words, but Anyway, that aside, um, yeah, I well, actually, I mean, we don't we don't know we don't know what was going on. He might have been on a on a uh, a call or something with other world leaders. We don't we don't know. Well, we'll give him the benefit of that doubt, sure. Yeah, and and I'll actually I'll give him credit. I actually liked the speech he gave today, and I thought that he uh, he put forward a a good message. And you're right; it's not easy to say that that our borders are now closed to everybody but Americans and Canadian citizens, you know, diplomats, air, air staff. But other than that, that's it. And I, I hate to give him credit, you know, too many times in the same, you know, week, but I will give him credit. This was a, a good speech and I'm, I'm not actually opposed to what he's done. I think that all along that his government has had a fairly measured approach to the situation. I yeah. think they probably could have jumped on the uh, on closing the border a little sooner, but but no, I'm actually I'm not upset with how they've handled this situation, and I was very impressed with his speech today, and he was uh, he was on point, and he actually had some good points. So uh, yeah, God, it's tough for me to give I him praise, but the, yeah, and I, I haven't heard the speech yet. I'm going to listen to it when I uh, after dinner tonight, probably. Okay, um, but from what I gathered from the uh, Cole's notes that my, my wife was texting me throughout the whole 
speech. Um, I don't, I can't say I disagree with much of what they're doing. Um, I think, I still think we're going to find out later on that this is probably no worse than the seasonal flu. Um, I, I just, I think that the one thing I can say, I think that they've dropped the ball on was, um, uh, banning flights from China, Italy, South Korea, uh, the hard hit areas. They could have banned those flights a long time ago. Yeah. And, and they didn't like, they didn't ban them until today. And, um, when they banned them for the rest of the world. And I mean, they really could have been banning them a lot sooner. And I don't think anybody would have faulted them for it. Uh, I think that, I think that should have been done at least a week, maybe two weeks ago when things started going crazy in Italy, when things started going crazy in South Korea, uh, when things were obviously gone crazy in China, like, um, like two months ago, like that, I just, I still can't wrap my head around the fact that we were still allowing flights in from China. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking so, of I China, mean, I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to throw this one out here. This was the, my, my surprise question of the day, which we tend to have for each other now and then. I'm not sure what nutcase threw this, this theory out today, but I thought I'd ask for your opinions. Okay. What do you think about the term biological warfare? Oh, no, I, I don't think that this is biological warfare in that China or another country has released this against the rest of the world. I think that this is China against its own citizens. Oh. And, and I said this last week when we were on w- w- during our show. I, I think that because China, the Chinese government, had serious and real threats of being overthrown by its own citizens in the, la- in the latter half of last year. Uh, and a massive revolt in Hong Kong. And yeah. uh, there were rioting in the streets. There, like in Hong Kong, they were rioting on a daily basis for like six to eight months. Yeah, it was crazy. And, and uh, there was serious threats of Hong Kong being able to uh, become its own state like to, to become its own country. Like there is, that's how upset the people of Hong Kong were. Like they were rioting every single day. And the, and then on the mainland in mainland China, they had protests and, uh, and people seriously talking overthrow government overthrow. And uh, I mean, and then when, when the virus came out, the Chinese government was uh, imprisoning, and I'm sure that they actually, you know, have, you know, uh, eliminated many of those people who were talking about it, who were who are trying to let the world know about it. And I mean, they, they were they they were arresting and imprisoning the scientists who were trying to blow the whistle on this virus. So yeah. I, and, and overnight, the Chinese government was able to lock down their citizens, 
and stop any and all opposition to the government. Like, so I think it was a little too convenient that things were starting to get out of control in China. And then this virus suddenly shows up from a Chinese uh, disease control center. So I'm, I well, am let's see, fully, I heard that there was a, a lab in Wuhan. So, yeah. And so I am fully 100% uh, in support of the theory that the Chinese government declared biological war on their own citizens. Well, you know, I actually find that more believable than biological warfare cast upon the rest of the world. Uh, so, to, to take you know that theory one step further, is biological warfare on their own citizen, but it just it went wrong. Yeah, well, like I said before, and I said this in last week's show, I don't think that the Chinese government gives a crap if if it escaped their borders. Because well, that's they're, true. they're yeah. willing, they're willing to eliminate hundreds of thousands of their own people uh, if it means that the Communist Party stays in power. So, and they do it every year. Yeah, well, that's the you, you can never ever accuse the Chinese government now or in the past of caring about their own people. I mean, if there was a plane crash in China, they'd be more upset about losing the plane. Yeah. I mean the thing the thing with Chinese with the Chinese government is that they I they would rather suffer a economic disaster uh, than lose control of their own party. Um, it may yeah, take and, them, and that, it, or sorry, lose control of their own country. Sorry, I think I said party. Yeah, you did. Um, but I mean that, but I know what you mean. Yeah, so they they like they would they're more than happy to murder their own people every single day. Anybody who opposes the government, they they just murder them and they just disappear. And and we've we've heard people talk about this, how people just disappear and they don't know where they went, they never come back. Um and that happens every single day in China. And yeah. so so if they're willing to do that. I wouldn't put it past them to release a virus that allowed them to quell any and all opposition to the Chinese government. And if that meant it spread beyond their borders and killed, you know, hundreds of thousands of people around the world, then that's what it means. And if they, and if later on they, they get caught that they actually did it on purpose and the, you know, companies around the world pull their, you know, business or, or factories or whatever out of China. Um, I think China is okay with that as long as they keep like the Chinese government is okay with that as long as they remain in power. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're right. As far as a, a power technique goes, you're right. I mean, they've got their entire population in lockdown. They've shut down their whole economy to keep people locked down. And yeah, there's, there's no dissent anymore. There's certainly no more rioting. There's, you know, people no who, more protests. yeah, I mean, they can't organize. So yeah, yeah I guess you're, you're onto something there. And what uh, somebody, I, was, I listen to a lot of talk radio, so I'm not never really sure which show I hear this on because I listen to so many, but someone had brought up the point that, oh, hey, look, now that there's this coronavirus, nobody's talking about climate change anymore. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, in fact, in fact, coronavirus is the uh, probably a a big um, uh, a big headache for environmentalists because Starbucks, Seven Eleven, Tim Hortons, none of them are allowing refillable cups anymore. Yeah. Um, they, if you're bringing your own reusable bag to the grocery store, you have to bag your own groceries. Um, it's, there's just, it's, you know, anything reusable isn't allowed right now. So like, this is a, this is a big problem for, for, uh, environmentalists and, and their cause. And, uh, in fact, but I have seen some environmentalists who have made Twitter posts and everything that are absolutely disgusting, uh, such as, you know, if you wanted to, uh, stop the earth from warming up, then losing a few million people is a good start. I saw that from, uh, I saw that from a couple of notable environmentalists people every people everybody knows and it is it's disgusting like to suggest that is absolutely disgusting it is geez i mean you it's funny because you never see these environmentalists uh you know sticking up their hand and volunteering to be the first to go no that's right so they're they're too important to the world yeah no (laughs) like it's 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 awful. It's disgusting. I mean, it's, uh, you, you see the NHL, the NBA, they've all, can- they've canceled their seasons. Major league baseball has postponed the beginning of their season. The UFC is actually continuing. Um, but they are putting their events on without crowds. Uh, so they're, they're just, uh, uh, broadcasting the fights, but the fights will not be in front of live audiences. Um, the same thing. Well, okay, for to a lesser degree, they're not really a sport, but um, the WWE is doing oh. the same. They're doing the same thing. Their events. They they did their first one last night, I believe, where they uh, where they had the event without a crowd, and from all accounts i mean i don't watch the wwe but i i read about it and they said it was absolutely horrendous because much of what makes the events exciting if you can call them that i don't know (laughs) um (laughs) is the interaction with the crowd right well yeah so it was apparently really really bad but the UFC isn't like that because UFC fighting is actually real fights, and uh, those, but they're they they don't have a crowd. And um, the first event on Saturday was uh, an event in Brazil, and it was really strange to watch. Like it was very strange. Yeah, no kidding. That would uh, that would be a little bizarre. You know, yeah. I don't know if they've done this gone this step in British Columbia, but uh, here. The provincial government, well, I guess more of the city government, they decided they were to ban crowds of more than 50. And then they've just decided to start shutting down events altogether. And now our city leisure centers and pools have closed. And even some local gyms are closing. So now, like mine, for yeah. example, I can't go to the gym. 
Yeah. And actually, you know what? I, I don't, I'm not opposed to that. Um, I think that places like the gym, which are kind of, uh, uh, they're a high risk place because, uh, because you're, you know, you're sweating, you're, you're on the equipment and just wiping them down is not going to stop this virus from being contracted. So, uh, a gym is like the gyms, I think I'm not opposed to them shutting down at all. Um, restaurants, I mean, things could spread pretty fast in a restaurant if the chef is the one who's infected. I suppose. And, uh, but, actually, funny you say that because we actually went out for, uh, for supper last night. Uh, three of the kids just had birthdays last month, so we went for a big family supper. And yeah. It was a popular restaurant. We were, you know, one of about maybe six tables, and we were there like right at supper time. So, yeah. I mean, that 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 problem is kind of taking care of itself, and I, in just I our general so fear. Yeah, I I think so too, and that's why I'm I have a problem with forced shutdowns of businesses. Um, I mean, I'm a business owner, and I've had customers cancel their jobs already. Because like with me, because, because of the coronavirus and uh, I see like part of this, part of this aid package that the federal government is talking about is, is uh, getting EI benefits for workers who don't, who don't uh, qualify for EI, but they didn't say anything about small business owners. And so like, there's a lot of small businesses that, like restaurants and gyms and you know what my company does and what uh, many, many, many other companies do. I mean, most of our employers are small business owners. Yeah. And they can't afford any shutdowns. I can't afford a shutdown. No like one. You'd get, and- I get shut down. Like I'm, it's going to be bad. Like I'm going to have to contact, you know, my, you know, <laughs> General Motors Canada, I'm going to have to contact my credit card companies and everything and, and try and get them to postpone my next month's payments just so that well, you know, yeah. we can, we can make it right. Well, and you don't get to qualify for EI benefits because you're, st- you're self-employed. So yeah, I'm, I'm an owner. I don't pay EI benefits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, like it's, it's, uh, it's great that they're doing that for the workers, but what about those of us who are self-employed? Like, there's no yeah. way that we we can get through an extended shutdown. No, you can't. And I, um, I know that they in the U.S. they did, and I, I know I'm thinking Canada they they also dropped the uh, the interest rate, correct? Like, yes, it did. Canada, that's what I thought. And yeah, Bank of Canada dropped the prime lending rate to zero point seven five. That's right. Yeah, I thought they had dropped it. Um, I'm I'm actually okay with that move, but I th- really think that government could try to stimulate the economy a little bit more by doing such radical and wacky measures as cutting taxes and maybe unleashing the power of the private sector by getting some of these burdensome regulations off the backs of the private sector and allow the private sector to stimulate the economy. But for some reason, our government always just thinks, no, no, the government's here to help you, and we'll just get no. more taxpayer money for aid packages. 
I agree. I agree with you 100%. However, in this case, no amount of stimulus is going to help when nobody is leaving their house. Well, the short term, you're right. Short term, government does have to step in. But the yeah. long term, Be- they could easily bounce this economy back if they just got out of the goddamn way. Yeah, I agree. But the, here's the, here's the problem is that they talk about like I actually saw something. I can't remember if it was in the States or if it's Canada, because, I mean, we're getting bombarded from all sides from from both the U.S. media and the Canadian media. Yeah, I can't I can't remember if it was a Canadian government or the American government that said that they would be offering low interest loans to small businesses to help them get through this. And I'm like. OK, but what you don't get is that. I'm never going to make this money up that we're leave, that we're losing. Yeah, we're never going to make it up. So a small, a, a low interest loan is only going to make my financial situation worse. It's going to take a long time, like, to be able to pay that back. Like it's it's not going to help me. It's going to make things worse. That's right, because it's more debt. Yeah, but this so, government so, likes that. Well, yeah. Well, here's a theory like that was that was put forth. Um, I don't know who said it. All I know is that it was actually my mother that that said it to me last night when I was talking to her about this, and she said, "Because um, I said to her, you know, I'm afraid what's going to happen is that the uh, is that the government's." around the world are like going to use this as a way to implement socialism. And she, but I didn't say it like that. I said something about how it's just getting everybody on the government dole. And she said, maybe that's the plan. And I said, and I said, Oh, I didn't think about that. Right. That maybe maybe the, every the governments around the world are going to use this as a way to implement socialism worldwide. Oh, God. I sure now, we're getting, now we're getting into conspiracy theories and not ones that I'm actually fully behind <laughs> or even believe. <laughs> I'm just saying it's 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 something that was thrown out there. And uh, and it's. It's an interesting thought, not a good one, but it's an interesting one. It is that, yeah. And on that note, that's probably a, just as good a place as any to wrap up tonight's show. All right. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in, Canada. We always appreciate your uh, listening, whether you're tuned in on Spotify or Google Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you're finding us. We want to thank you for joining us. Uh, and I'm sure you can look forward to a couple more rants coming out this week because uh, they tend to bubble up pretty quickly. And with the news cycle the way it is, I'm sure it won't take much to, to set either one of us off. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot to say this week. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, well until next time, it's uh, Tony out here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in B- uh, BC. And it's sunny today. The sunny is good. And All right. Yeah. Have, a, have a great night, Canada. <laughs>